Hello, and thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast, now available on almost any platform where podcasts can be found. What you'll most often find here is our Sunday service sermon audio, but we'll also post bits and pieces of special services, events, and other things as they pertain to the life of the church. If you'd like to know more about what's happening here at Redeemer, you can visit us online at www.redeemermn.org or join us live Sunday at 10.30 a.m. on YouTube or Facebook. Just search for Redeemer MN or Redeemer Lutheran Church and locate the blue droplet icon. We're overjoyed at this opportunity to minister to you and to walk beside you as you begin to experience what it means to be the church. Let's dive in. You know, it is so fun to be entering into this season with all of you. Um, and before we start today, I just want to take us back a couple of years. Let's step back in the, in the Wayback Machine. And if you'll just, uh, if, you're, if your Wayback doesn't go way back as far as mine, um, just indulge me. So we're going to head back to 2002, okay? 20 years ago. Uh, just to put things in perspective... George W. was the president of the United States. Our country was embroiled in the search for a man named Osama bin Laden at the time. The New England Patriots beat the St. Louis Rams in the Super Bowl. I said St. Louis Rams in the Super Bowl. And they were featuring a upstart quarterback by the name of, you may have heard of him, Tom Brady. Toby Maguire, the actor, it was his first attempt to bring Spider-Man to the big screen that year. And Disney released a movie you might have heard of called Lilo and Stitch. And then to put it all in perspective, it was Kelly Clarkson who won the very first American Idol competition. So that was 20 years ago. Are you there with me? Are you, are, you, are you feeling that 20 years ago feel right now? Are you remembering the 10 years before you were born? You know? <laughs> but Minnesota was also experiencing something pretty incredible 20 years ago. It started with rumors. Have you heard? Can you believe it? They're coming to Minnesota. You know, I had to go out to LA to get one of these things. Oh man, my, my cousin, he brought one back from New York City for me. Or, man, I know a guy who had to drive to Chicago to get this. And can you believe it? They taste so amazing. And they are served hot. It is incredible. And then there there is these boxes of these warm treats that started to show up on the morning news shows. And everyone raved. You see, this was the best glazed donut that you could possibly eat. Because in 2002, you might remember this, Krispy Kreme came to Minnesota. The first store opened in Maple Grove, not very far from today's date, April 23rd in 2022. Or 2002, and the line seemingly stretched across the state, right? I mean, it was just this phenomenon. Krispy Kreme's marketing plan was genius. See, over the course of months leading up to this, they had built an expectation that was so fantastic that there was no way for anybody to be disappointed. In fact, that one location in Maple Grove did a half a million dollars in sales their very first week. That, as they say, is a lot of donuts, right? 
Even before everyone had a taste, they knew exactly what they were going to get. They were going to get a melt-in-your-mouth glazed donut served hot. So when, after months of waiting, the lines formed, people tasted those things for the first time, and they loved them. And they literally ate them by the dozen, one sitting at a time. Krispy Kreme created an expectation that made an experience unmissable. In fact, they made a donut experience unmatched. Now, I would like to say, for the record, this is recorded, but be on the record forever, that I knew better. <laughs> you see, I've honed my, my donut-tasting palate uh, growing up in a bakery. I tasted the artificial. I tasted the cheap. I tasted the gimmick. But for Minnesota, for a few months at least, we were duped into believing that that was the best donut experience possible. And good marketing well, it does it all the time to us, doesn't it? They set our expectations so that we hear, we see, we taste exactly what it is that they want us to. We believe it. And if you don't believe me, let me just give you a couple examples. I'm going to first, I'm going to show you a picture of a bunny facing to the right. You see it? Or is that a duck facing to the left? How about that? Okay, some of you have seen that one before. How about this picture of a big-nosed lady smoking a cigarette? Or is it a young woman turning away from the picture? See it? How about this woman looking directly at you? See that picture? Or is it a man playing a saxophone? Who's ever going to know, right? Or how about this one? I like this one. Someone wearing glasses, a sketch of a person wearing glasses. Or is that just a creative way to write the word liar at an angle? You see it? See what we're doing there? See how it works? With just a few words, a brief description, I set your expectations. And for the most part, now I know these are familiar, so you maybe knew what you were looking for, but for the most part, you saw the image that I wanted you to see. That's marketing. It's the power of suggestion. And it's true in those areas of our lives, but it's true in our spiritual area of our life as well. Because expectation determines vision. Expectation determines vision. Now, the setting for today, the setting of Palm Sunday, is one of my favorite setups of all time in Scripture. For three years, Jesus has been gaining momentum, beginning with the wedding and the miracle in Cana, where Jesus turned water into wine, Jesus was healing, Jesus was casting out demons, Jesus was raising the dead to life. Jesus was transforming lives in powerful ways. He was setting the expectation for what to look for in God's word. Jesus taught an upside-down worldview where the hearts, the people's hearts were valued and people's worth wasn't measured by where they fell in the caste system of society. Jesus proclaimed and demonstrated his care and his love for all people. The good news of Jesus, what we call the gospel, meaning good news, wasn't just for people of a certain race or gender. It wasn't just for people of a certain class or net worth. 
Jesus lived a gospel life that could be and would be accessed by all people. So in the three years of his ministry, he was gaining momentum. He started in a kitchen, turning water into wine. He graduated to a living room to give more access to what he would teach. From there, he was pushed to hillsides and lake shores, and as the crowds grew even more, out into a boat. The momentum was building. And then, as we read throughout the story of Jesus' life, he turns towards the holy city, the immutable history of a place for God's people. Jesus turned toward a place called Jerusalem. And in preparation for Lent, I put together these five stories of first-person accounts. Imagine from those people who saw this event in person. If you hadn't had, haven't had an opportunity to, to hear those, you can get those online still uh, through our YouTube page and other places. But, but in putting those stories together, I recognized for the first time that as Jesus shifted his direction, as he started to go to this holy place of Jerusalem, that there was a tension that began to rise, right? It was as though the whole world was clenching to experience in anticipation of what it was Jesus was about to do. And he comes into the town of Jerusalem. Now, this man Jesus was coming, and he was coming into this place of Jerusalem. And there were a people there who were anticipating his arrival. They were the ones who had already heard the stories of miracle and wonder, a people who were ready to see Jesus, and they were waiting. And the people of Jerusalem, they were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting the one who would save them. Now, they were familiar with the scriptures filled with the promises of salvation, the, the promises of Emmanuel, meaning God with us. They could taste it. And in Luke 19, we read about this encounter that the people of God had with Jesus. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as he walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. And this is what they shouted. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Jerusalem was waiting with expectation as their king was coming, just as the, promise, as the prophets had promised 500 years before. Zechariah 9, a prophet, 500 years before Jesus wrote these words, Jesus, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The expectations were set. Jesus was heralded as the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, what the people saw as Jesus approached was an average, unassuming man riding on a donkey. But what they saw or what they experienced 
What they wanted to see, where their expectations set their sight, was on a king. They expected a king, familiar not only with, with what that teaching was, but many other that said that there was a king who was coming. But the words that they used to herald this king coming was from other familiar scripture to the people who were welcoming Jesus. Scripture that comes out of the Psalms, this, this series of poems and songs compiled to articulate this coming person. And in Psalm 118, which gave them the, the framework for how to herald this Jesus coming to town, we read these words. The strong right arm of the Lord is raised in triumph. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, give us success. And then this line from Psalm 118 that they shouted, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Wow. They welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem using that framework from the language of Psalm 118. Blessed the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Except for one little twist, right? They didn't welcome the other names that were involved in that scripture. We talked about the rejected cornerstone or even a savior or success giver. They didn't welcome the enduring love of God, which is the theme of the, the entire chapter of Psalms, or even the strong right arm, which is what we led off with in Psalm 118 from my reading. None of these were what they welcomed Jesus to be. The people of Jesus or the people of Jerusalem needed something different, Right? You see, they needed their savior to be a new king. The people of Jerusalem's expectations were for a king, so they welcomed their king. They transformed the language of Psalm 118 and found the king who comes in the name of the Lord. God's people in Jerusalem, those already gathering around the miracle stories of Jesus, needed a new king to save them. Because only a king could do these things. You see, only a king could save them from suppression. Already forced underground to worship together, already pushed out of prominence, already socially and economically ostracized, the people lining the road shouted, Hosanna! Because they needed a king to see them, to raise them up. Because only a king could save them from suppression. Only a king could save them from oppression. Without a Roman citizenship, the, the people along Jesus' path, they, they needed a voice in government. They needed a voice in justice. They could not be represented. They could not receive protection. The people shouted, Hosanna! Because there was a king who would see them and their humanity, who would hold them up. Because only a king could save them from oppression. And only a king could save them from subjection. The rule that they were under, it put them in a power system that defined them as the very bottom, entirely designed to keep them there. The people shouting Hosanna, they needed a king to restructure the power grid so that it would include them. 
Only a king could save them from subjection. So the people that were lining the streets, waving those branches in the air, laying their coats down for for Jesus' colt to walk on, shouting Hosanna, they needed a king. They were promised a king. They expected a king. The people shouting Hosanna in that moment, they found a king riding into Jerusalem, riding into their lives on on a donkey. Now we can talk about this story out of the New Testament, and this particular account is out of Luke 19. We can talk about this story, and it makes so much sense. The salvation that they were looking for was Jesus. The people lining the road were looking for Jesus. But somehow, when we talk about our own personal salvation, the Jerusalem of our heart, when we look to this person, Jesus, riding in, for whatever reason, maybe you're like me, I start to imagine what it is that I am eternally saved to, the the life that is after death, right? We get stuck in what happens after we die. Salvation is true after we die. That's absolutely true. But salvation is true right now. We can live in our salvation today. I think we miss living in our salvation because sometimes we don't know the Jesus that we're looking for. You see, the people lining the streets in Jerusalem, they knew the Jesus they were looking for because they were looking for a king riding on a donkey, and there was a man, a king, riding on a donkey. Their circumstances demanded that it was only a king that was going to bring their salvation, not just for their time after death, but for their time right now in Jerusalem. And so I ask you a question, how do we set our expectations? How do we set our expectations so that we can see Jesus marching in to the Jerusalem of our heart today? I think it's by asking this question. From what is Jesus saving you? People of Jerusalem saw a king. And maybe it is a king that you need in your life because because you can shout Hosanna because you've been ruling your own life and it hasn't been exactly what you imagined. And only a king can save you there. But maybe you need Jesus, you you need to set your expectations of Jesus as a healer, do you need physical salvation? Listen to the prophet Jeremiah when he says, Oh Lord, if you heal me, if I will be truly healed. If you save me, I will truly be saved. My praises are for you alone. See, he was looking for God the healer and saw God the healer. Do you need to set your expectations to freedom? Are you in bondage to to sin? Are you enslaved by that sin? Then listen to Paul's letter to the Corinthians. For the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Do you need your expectations set to peace? Are you in bondage to anxiety in your life? Well, then sing Psalm 55. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. You see, in order to see 
our salvation, the Jesus of our salvation, our right now salvation, not our after we die salvation, but our right now salvation, we have to set our expectations. We have to reorient our vision to see Jesus. So I ask you that question again, from what is Jesus saving you? Is he saving you from sickness? Well then, Hosanna. Blessed is the healer who comes in the name of the Lord. Is Jesus saving you from the sin trap that you're living in right now? Then Hosanna. Blessed is the freedom that comes in the name of the Lord. Is Jesus saving you in the midst of your anxiety? Then I challenge you to say, Hosanna, blessed is the peace who comes in the name of the Lord. For Jerusalem, the expected incarnation, big words, expected incarnation, the incarnation, the, the tangible, the real life, the seeable, experienceable manifestation of salvation was a king in the person of Jesus. What expected incarnation delivers you your salvation? Is it Jesus the healer? Is it Jesus the, the freedom giver? Is it Jesus the, the prince of peace? Or is it something else specific for you, individual for you, that, that is your Jerusalem that Jesus is riding into? that character quality of Jesus that, that meets you and delivers your salvation, your, your walk in victory from this day forward? Is it something that is very specific to who you are? And you in this moment can say, Hosanna. Hosanna. Because it is Jesus who comes into your life in the name of the Lord. You know, I believe that when we start to see, when we start to look for, that we get to live the truth of those words from Jeremiah, which are familiar to many of us. If you look for God, if you look for him wholeheartedly, if you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. I think this is what Jesus is talking about at the end of this passage from Luke. I've been transfixed on this, this one line for, for the last month. And it's at the, this critical juncture in the story of Luke at the end of this passage from, from uh, the Palm Sunday account. And there's religious leaders in the crowd and, and they think what's happening is, is blasphemous. And it, it, you cannot say that he is king, right? And so they say, you know, Jesus, tell your followers, tell these people to, to keep it quiet. But Jesus replies, he rebukes them, and he says, if they kept quiet, the stones on the, uh, along the road would burst into cheers. Even the stones would cry out, other translations say. I track this. It's a, it, it's a phrase that's used all throughout Scripture. And usually I think of it as, you know, gosh, you know, the whole world is groaning at this moment because Jesus is coming. But, but for whatever reason, I understand it a little bit different. Because what it speaks to, if you, if you read this from the Old Testament to the New, this idea that the stones are crying out, it, it speaks to the inevitability of what is about to happen. 
that our, our proclaiming it, our, our celebrating it, our raising palms in the air isn't what makes Jesus' salvation come. It is inevitable. His salvation is coming. It is going to happen. And if we don't celebrate it, somebody else will. Because our individual expectation doesn't hide the global impact of what God in the gospel is going to do through Jesus. Jesus is coming and he will save the world. And so today I want to invite you, invite everyone in this room to step into that salvation along with me. Step into that journey, a journey of salvation that can begin today. And for this, I want to ask you to do something that we don't always do in here. I want to ask you to stand. And I want you to imagine something with me, okay? If you're standing at home, I want you to imagine this same thing along with us. I want you to imagine the scene that we've been talk, talking about today, the, the, the picture that we've been painting, right? It's a man on a donkey riding into Jerusalem. As we stand here together, I invite you to see Jesus, to see him from the expectation of where he is meeting you in your salvation. I want you to see the healer Jesus, the freedom Jesus. I want you to see the peace Jesus. Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is the healer. Blessed is the freedom. Blessed is the peace who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you have that picture? Your mind's eye? Do you have that picture of the Savior that is for you, the Jerusalem of your heart? Do you have that picture? I invite you today to see the Hosanna of Palm Sunday, to see that carry you through the tragedy of Good Friday and into the hope of Easter. Today, I invite you to receive the eyes to see Hosanna carry you through tragedy into hope. See Hosanna carry you through tragedy and into hope. And all of us together, not leaving it to the rocks, are going to cry out together. And we are going to say, Hosanna, amen. You guys ready for that? So on the count of three, we're going to say, Hosanna, amen. If you want to grab your, your palms, you can raise them in the air. We're going to say, Hosanna, amen. Here we go. One, two, three. Hosanna, amen. You guys have an amazing preparation and readiness for Easter. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you so much once again for listening to our podcast. If you experienced something special today or connected in a special way with something that you heard, don't keep it a secret. You can reach out and share directly with one of our staff at redeemermn.org leadership, or you can share this episode of the podcast across your own social media. 
we look forward to the opportunity to connect with you. Until next time, God bless you and have a wonderful day.